Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to continue what we were doing at some point a little while ago. Um, <laughs> we been a little bit. It's, it's been a little bit. bit. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're back to talking about uh, the Magic Legends, uh, a visual history by Jane Ellie. I, I, Commander Legends almost came out of my mouth three times. I was trying say, to yeah. trying to get that book title out. Um, to out which legends that we're talking about at this point. Yeah, I guess. So you. we uh, we recorded a part one uh, some bit ago and posted that, and then did some other things and didn't get back to it for a little while. It's and been a bit. It's and at first, yeah. Hobbs managed to 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 cut it like right at the perfect like lead in, and so my original plan, if we had gotten back the next week, was to just pretend we hadn't cut the recording and to just lead right back in, but. It's been too long. It's it. We're not I, like I'm too pretend like we joke. actually are thoughtful people mm. who plan ahead. Yeah, in any way, shape, or form. Yes, yeah. and, and you are uh, very much closer to your mic now. All of a sudden, which hey, got that got that full Hobbsness <laughs> going on now. That's great. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's been it's been a weird day at work. I just it's was been off a day. for some yeah. time, and then today was 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 real stressful so my brain isn't braining as as well as it normally does and i'm coming back from a you know uh alex did a little uh, not an episode for us last week which kind of hit on the fact that i would also been not braining the best um as i have a new child on the way and had to do numerous projects and my brain felt like it just wasn't functioning for i don't know three weeks just it died just cut out on me completely so yeah so yeah. we're back so yeah we're we missed you all yes i yes, did. We did um yeah definitely and though you know I, I guess we did get it all like with the not an episode we didn't act really totally miss a week that we sort of missed a week because it wasn't an episode as it was yeah we just tried to explain the title yeah but, some ideas so if you didn't get a chance to yeah. listen to that just just kind of giving heads up you know we've we've noticed the trend from the last couple of years that well Three years ago was when Gwen was born, which was our first year in. We kind of came back from that. But uh, the last two years, we've really noticed that around the holidays, you know, schedules get busy, schedules get packed. And we were, you know, we we tend to have, I think we put a lot of stress on ourselves in December and January where we're like, we have to be doing this. We're going to get this out. And yet it's not always realistic. Yeah. So so what I, what I said real briefly in, in last week's uh, recording was just a heads up that we're going to, we're planning to continue. I know we just, we just took a hiatus. We're not, we're not taking a hiatus here. We're going to continue. We have some stuff recorded. We've got, we're recording now. We have some other stuff planned, <laughs> but so we're not, we're not taking a break as it were, but we might be posting more sporadically. We may not hit an episode every week. Like, like yeah. we came to. Yeah. We so don't, we're just, hoping we're not helping have a big, like month long gap like yeah. we did for August, but more, you know, there might be a week off here and there. Yeah, and, and we'll I'm, try. Yeah, yeah feel a little like, bit more set up with the baby and exactly. ready to we'll go. We'll get the the new baby and and the holidays. Like we're in, yeah. the, in the U.S. here. We're at the beginning of November while we're recording this. We've got Thanksgiving coming down in in a few weeks. We followed by Christmas a month later. Followed by New Year's a week later. Then we're into January and all of whatever. Well, you and I are into winter at that point too. Well, yeah, so. and we're into yeah, and we're well into Minnesota winter. I mean, at this point, we're a month or two into that anyway. <laughs> we got lucky. We haven't. We didn't have a snowstorm yeah. for no. Halloween yesterday. Yeah, I'm surprised. It's it's 
still hanging in like the 40s and uh i'm enjoying that it's i've gotten a lot more hoodie weather this this fall than i was expecting because normally we get about two weeks of hoodie weather (laughs) and then it's cold enough that i gotta wear a coat yep like really good hoodie weather and then just it's gone yeah usually you get more of that in the spring because the spring it kind of the cold kind of lingers a little bit but it's not too cold but the fall it's generally it's like i said you got two weeks i feel like we're having the most minnesota conversation ever this is so bad hey hey, (laughs) remember that thing we said about our brains not braining very well so let's talking about the weather because that's what minnesotans do oh yeah let's take this conversation from minnesota to the plane of Alara. Wow, that was an amazing transition. Oh, I'm so good at transitions, especially when I'm exhausted. So if people don't know, because we didn't actually say this. Well, I guess we did. We're we on should J- intro ourselves. Yeah, we could introduce ourselves. and We could do more about talking about who we are and what we're actually doing here. Yeah, like somebody stumbled across this podcast in five minutes and they're like, what? What? Like, What's going they, on? They haven't talked about goblins. They haven't introduced themselves. They haven't had talked about any lore unless you count living in Minnesota. <laughs> what even is this podcast? So, hi, I'm Hobbskew. I can be found on Twitter at Hobbskew. My pronouns are he, him. Uh Yeah. And I'm one of the co-hosts of the Goblin Lore Podcast. And I'm Alex Newman, found on Twitter at Mel underscore Chronicler, and my pronouns are he, him. And uh, generally, we try to have an opening question, but we had one for the last episode for this, and I, let's just get into it. Let's thing. just get into it. So we're picking up where we left off, going through yeah. Jay Anelli's book on legends of visual history. Uh, this is an incredible medium for doing a visual history, and we're going to get very yes. bogged down into details about art. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, that's, very much that's so. what we do on this uh, audio only format. <laughs> um, the, the the joke is I, I kind of did that a little too much last time. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to say it right now and that so I can come back to it later. But this book is, is gorgeous. Yeah. There's some fantastic art in here. And at some point we will slip again and start talking about the art. I am oh, yeah. absolutely sure of it. So, yes, we, we absolutely this, yeah. will. This book, um, we're getting into, you know, we, we got through new Phyrexia last time. So this book is... Yep. Uh, which I realized is not that far into this book. No, we, uh, it is not very many planes. We did not no. get very far. Now, some mm-hmm. of the later ones are pretty quick. There's not too many characters. But so for the context, if, you, if you're if you not familiar with this book, um, Jay goes through and talks about a number of legends. I could have counted it. I didn't. There's I'm no way. That wasn't happening. No. Um, but so in the, the way the book is structured is that it's broken by plane. So it started in Ravnica. And it's like, here's Ravnica. Here's a little bit about Ravnica. And oh, hey, here's a bunch of legends in Ravnica and talking about them and sort of the context of, of things that they've done or how they're involved in the current or, or past storylines. Um, so we got through Ravnica, Dominaria, and New Phyrexia. And that's it. That's if you're interested in those, that's some pre- <laughs> those are some pretty heavy hitting planes. And Dominaria yes. in particular, we spent a fair amount of time on. Yes. And that, so. I mean, that's where magic started. Magic spent more time on Dominaria than any other plane. Ravnica is kind of the Three new Dominaria now. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Three trips mm-hmm. there. We've spent more time on Ravnica than any plane that isn't Dominaria. Yep. Um, we've been back there more often. There's a few that are kind of that are getting back there. I think like Innistrad is back is to three now. So Innistrad's tied Ravnica, but Ravnica's kind of always getting and Zendikar. First. Zendikar, that's true. Zendikar hit hit three as well. Um, so anyway, let's let's get to Alara and then we can. <laughs> so and part of the goal. So Jay also has another book 
talking specifically about the planes and we are intending to get to that book at some point too. That book actually came out this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're not too far behind the Whereas we should have talked about this one, you know, we, a while this, ago. Yeah. The legends talking about this book has talking about the book legends has been on our list for a while. We just kind of just got to it. Well, a few weeks ago. So our goal, we will talk about the planes and talk about why we love this place or that, but we're going to try not to do as much of that to say no, that. We want to talk about the legends. There today. are so many characters to talk about. That's supposed yeah. to be the focus. We yeah. will get distracted and talk about other things, but the yeah, characters like the book the just focus. gives us like some sort of framework to then like, have no clue how yeah, yeah well, and where and we're it's going because we want to talk we like to talk about story that's a thing we do a lot on this show but often we don't always have a good framework to talk about just sort of general things and this is a great thing to, to talk about like we want to talk about this character that there's a little bit of story about but not a ton well guess what this book is full of characters and so some of them have deep story urza has a ton of story we talk about him a lot about how he's the worst, but we don't get to talk about other th- other characters like Progenitus very often. Yeah, so who, yeah, so, you know, there is isn't always story there, right? There, there isn't always stories. Like Progenitus was a legendary; it's a five color legendary, and I mean, we, mm-hmm. we talk a lot. You know, we're, we're both pretty much EDH or Commander players, yep. but like all we really like Progenitus just was like this god like indestructible yes. protect well not wait no just like protection no, from everything protection from everything that is the literal words of the ability protection yeah. from everything which is just double wonky. of every mana color yeah. so 10 mana double of everything this was for a long time like the go-to five color commander i, I, I had a progenitus deck that was my super friends because i wanted to build a commander deck with a bunch of planeswalkers but i'm like I've done this before where I build my Karn <laughs> deck and it had no win con. So I would spend 40 <laughs> minutes and do nothing. Like I would do so much nothing. You cannot believe how much nothing I would accomplish in, in, in 30 minute turns. But then it's like, okay, go. And and what are we doing then? I'm just wasting everyone's time. So I, when I built this deck, um, that ultimately is why I built a Kozlik deck. So my, then my commander is my win con. I have something to work towards at all times. I always have a way to end the game. So I did the same with, I took that lesson when I built my Planeswalker deck and ran with Progenitus as my win con. Um, it also helps that, like you said, Progenitus is this Hydra god. It's it's before we got gods. This was before Theros. This was before Amonkhet. We didn't have god as a, as a card type. And so Progenitus as this uh, mythological being, because... Correct me if I'm wrong. I was not playing during Alara. I came back later, but I believe that there's like a lot of flavor text and stuff in the Naya, in particular, cards before Progenitus got a card later mm-hmm. in the block. Is that, yeah, is that yeah. Correct? So Progenitus came later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, so like that's so a really this... cool way to deliver story and to talk about that stuff. Yep. And so you know, like I said, we're not going to get too much into the planes themselves. But what is interesting to me, because we talked about last time, um, you know, maybe this is some bias on Jay's part. Uh, so the uh, because the Alara was broken into shards. So if you ever hear people talk about shards or wedges, um, wedges had kind of well, so like they're three color card combinations. This is where we actually finally got names for most of them or names that stuck because there was basically these shards, which is, uh, you know, Bant. Uh, Esper, Grixis, Naya, Jund. Is that them? That's five of them. 
Um, so, you know, this is this idea that there was these areas of basically it, Alara had been broken up into these shards. And so on areas of the of the the plane and something about Nicol Bolas, I don't actually think that's a big deal. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> we don't need to get into what he was doing and he, he may or may not have killed. Who he may may not have killed. This is not may Which, or may not be where we got his Planeswalker card for the first time. But yeah. Uh, Jay, I just noticed, picked a large, large number of uh, a, a Bant. Bant oh, is well represented you're here. Right. And Bant is blue, white, uh, green. Blue, white, green. So if you're, and, and he did it, so like Janara, who's an angel, Rafik, Rafik is kind of a, Rafik is another one of those like early kind of use with like a Voltron style EDH deck. So basically you just like, uh, Rafik was able to give a, a character double strike. Is that, am I correct in this? Yes, yes. Um, I I think he he either gave someone double strike or he got double strike because he he was part he of gives the it. Uh, exalted. Mm-hmm. So if if you attack with only one creature, that's what exalted did. Um, it, well, creatures with exalted, the, the that ability itself was, um, if you attract with only one creature, every creature that had exalted would trigger and give that one creature plus one plus one. Rafik had basically also that same mechanic that creature to give a it double, double strike. strike. So you know you could even play it well on like a you could just make a five five infector basically. Yeah, you know, and, and, so and there was and like combo like, ways. There were combo ways, or I think there was a lot of you know the Voltron style decks where you put in auras or or equipment or other ways to pump up one creature and then you're trying to just crush people with one creature because Rafik whether he's the one attacking or not triggering to give someone double strike on top of whatever else you can get them it just it makes those things way more effective when you can just double strike on top of whatever it is yeah so you know so but yeah I just know that, that you know there was a large number of like the the bant is well represented in this and chapter. I'm, I'm noticing too there's only 3 shards represented in characters that are those 3 colors because I suppose there's a couple characters here who are from other shards but are not those colors like like um well we'll get to them but like there is there is someone from Jund but they are not in fact red green black themselves. Yep. In a, yep. We also have two of the so uh, basically there is this whole thing we do have to talk a little bit about just story conflicts like there was this ability to kind of bring um, the shards back together um, and reform and so we actually do have Brea and Yidris who yes. are after that because they are four colors um, they were four color commanders which which was really cool that was I mean and that's where partners were first created because that was their way to. Um, something that that wizards designers several different people have talked about with four colors is that it's really hard to make a c- creature that's just four colors and is exactly four isn't five but is four you know is more than three but is less than five and it's it's hard to hit four three you can build a fairly tight identity around five is fairly easy to build you know something around but it's like hitting that middle ground is tough and so when they decided to do that, to, to open up those color options for commander players, and this is where mechanics and story can be really cool and intertwined, that's where they came up with the partner mechanic, which is really cool. We talked about that in the Commander Legends thing, where there's some really cool things you can do with characters there who can then partner with their partners, in some cases, to, to you know lead a deck. 
Um, but they also, because then they made two color partners, so you could hit four colors with them. But they did make one four color legend of each combo. We talked about Atraxa last time, who was in New Phyrexia. It is in this book. Um, didn't think to even look at that. So we've got three of the four colors. One of them isn't on here because they are on an unnamed plane. And I can't remember who the fourth one is. Oh, the fourth is in this book too. So four of the five four-color legends are in this book. That's really interesting. Get to that one eventually. So anyway, so so Brea and 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 Yidris are really cool in that. They're both part of those four-color things. I think um, Brea's story, I think, is for me, is the most interesting of, of the legends in this. Again, this is someone who wasn't around during Alara, so some of the characters who were prevalent during the story then it, they're not going to be as big of a deal for me i'm just not as familiar with them but um brea is from esper which was the blue black white plane or shard and they because of the lack of green and the lack of white like they were all about just self-improvement to the point of artifice and they were replacing oh, wow, themselves. lack of green and red Lack of green and red, excuse me. They have white there. Yeah, the lack of green and red. So there's there's not a lot of emotionality. There's not a lot of, of nature and trying to stick to a sort of natural balance thing. It was all about what can we do artificially to improve ourselves. In yeah, different I mean, ways kind of like within the, those three color representations. During the shards, during the Alara block, the original Alara block, Sharum was kind of the, you know, the Sharum the hegemon is the yes. uh, leader. So who, um, who is who's in the book as well? She, yeah, she is right before Brea to set up, I think, in some ways, because she really does hit that Esper piece where kind of, you know, despite her apparent apathy, and it is kind of that like aloofness that is at least being seen or thought of. Which fits um, for Sphinxes in general. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, and she was actually married to uh well, her mate, uh who is another planeswalker, which was a kind of a nice thing to throw in here. Crucius, because we don't really know. But Crucius is the one who seeded the plane with Ethereum, which is kind of the basis for artifacts. Um, mm-hmm. Which, yeah, which was the basis for for a lot of the stuff that the uh, that the Esper were doing. A lot of the, and you'll see in a lot of the art, not even Sharum a little bit, but more for for some of the others. Like they have body parts that are replaced with just like lattice work artifact, like arms and stuff. Yep. And I think that that's why Brea is really cool because, as you were saying, like she she ends up traveling into Jund. Um, but the big thing is that she is bringing that. She was like already kind of a hot tempered Esper, and that's kind of how you're trying to story wise fit in. To why fit red, not colors. green? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and she fits one of the things that I think is really interesting about her story. And I guess I didn't even see if this is in here. I think it might be. Um, she went to Jund to and managed to discover a key component to making new Ethereum. And this is the first time for a very long time that new Ethereum has been made because when the planes were broke, the plane was broken apart, they didn't have all that other geography to explore. Esper used up all of the stuff they had. So if you wanted to make something out of Ethereum, you had to find something else and recraft it. And this is some of the first story we get on Alara post the conflux. Cause that was, well, I guess we had Conflux as the, the middle. We got new new Alara, which was like the immediate aftermath and all of that. But like Brea's story, which was in a commander set, was years later. And this has given it time to breathe. And it's like, how are these shards adapting to the presence of each other now? 
because they were kind of the epitome of these three colors and also the epitome of the lack of these other colors and now it's like how are they adapting to this like it like the like you know like the, there are wars going on because of like they are their own basically shards their own groups like there isn't this cross that they don't even know about the abilities of other like you said the other colors so I, I, Bray is a really cool story to me. And I'm really glad that that was kind of, I, I liked seeing that, as you said, how do you make a unique four color? It also is interesting to me because that is seeding future storyline for if, when, probably when we get back to Alara. I'm sure there's going to be st- stuff, similar things for all of the shards, but for at least for Brea, for um for for not i'm sorry i'm trying to think of the name of the shard because i've already lost it because i'm just that exhausted right now for esper for brea and esper this may be just a background story but this is 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 story that they can build with if they want to it's stuff they can set aside and come back to later but this is story that can develop that because now all of a sudden she's found this ethereum from jund that contains like red elements that Esper has never contended with before. And so she's introducing those red elements into her work and doing something new. And, and like we see this with Yidris and they talk about this idea about the first time in millennia. Like there, there's this idea of like how it has been with the, the shards kind of coming back together. Um, Cause it's been a while since they were to ever together or like the, since they had been splintered and, Yidris was, you know, I love this. The ogres of Grixis are the incurables, beings cursed with unstable mutations, which is just so awesome to think of with Yidris if you kind of look at the the mechanics. Uh, Because Yidris is a maelstrom wielder. Um, Maelstrom wanderer was the first time we kind of saw really kind of some of the references to this in the same way. But getting that kind of um, cascade mechanic. Yes, and and I I love Cascade. It's such a fun for for me. Like it's such a fun, random, cool mechanic in 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 Commander where you you throw something out, then you just reveal cards until you get a spell that's less than what you cast, and you get you just get to cast it. You get free stuff off the top of your deck, and you don't know what it is. It's just cool. I mean, now there's some some ways to build it a little more spiky. Like I actually for a little while did play a Living End deck in Modern, which uses cheap cascade spells to cascade into a living end and it's the only thing in the deck that can be cascaded yeah, into because it's the only mm-hmm. thing in the deck that's less than that ca- than three because there's two spells at three so you run eight copies and then you can cascade into living end and by that point you've been cycling stuff into your graveyard so you wipe out everyone else's boards take everything from the graveyard put it into play and so you usually are the only one who has a board and it's a bunch of random things so like I, I enjoyed that deck and that's a, like I said, that's a way you can kind of critique it or, or I recently built a, a deck that uses a lot of cascade and it's like putting in scrying and other things that let me manipulate the top of my library so I can try to like plan what I'm going to cascade into. There's some fun mechanical things like to play that, with there. You know, that feels like a very Grixis way to approach cascade. You know, like, like that's the idea. You know, it's interesting. You, you just came from the Grixis, which are the colors of Nicol Bolas. So, um, you know, blue, white, black. Uh, <laughs> blue, white, black, huh? 
Uh, I'm not the only one on this cast that's tired. That that's that's good. I'm literally looking at the casting cost of it too, and I can see the symbols in my brain. And I, I mean, still I said was, blue, white, black. I stared at the book cover and what it took me ten seconds to actually read six words because my brain kept trying to say the wrong ones. <laughs> so, so yes, Bricks is there with you. Blue, black, and red is you know these things are confusing, but. Yidris is kind of, uh, it, it's interesting to see that Grixis approach because Gr- basically uh, Yidris seeks out kind of a cure now that the, um, since there are like the planes have come back together, there is this idea that w- with Grixis and those colors, there wasn't a lot of healing magic, right? You're missing the green and the white. Um, so if you uh, are hit by unstable mutations and you don't have a way to be cured, now you seek it out. Well, came across the you know the knights of bant which we talked about before and they, they like you know a grixis type thing like that's going to be a very much an outsider and was forced into the maelstrom which is this chaotic magical power um but as you were kind of saying like now that's where the green comes in giving some healing uh for um yidris chaotic energies suffused the reborn ogre which that's kind of cool um but it's really interesting to me because it is a very much like the cat the, the the chaos from the maelstrom which is actually a very green thing um with this cascade mechanic grixis is like your way to make it not feel as chaotic i mean feel as random i feel like there's like more manipulation and stuff that can be done i don't know it just i i really yeah i mean obviously this may shock people, but I, I, I'm a little bit of a Grixis mage at heart. So, <laughs> no, you odds? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, was there anyone else you want to talk about? I guess I can talk about uh, Mirren real quick. I hope that's how you pronounce her name. Marin. Yeah, there was like Marin. Th- th- yeah, this this chapter really did. It, we we skipped over kind of Darave, but this chapter is really high on the um. Uh, the, like the commander, the supplemental sets. Yes, and and so uh, Marin was also from a, a different commander set. Um, is from Jund. She's the character I was talking about. Who is is from Jund, the green, black, and red um, shard. But uh, she herself is, is color identity is only green and black. So de- representing the shard for sure. But um, uh, Marin's also a, a popular commander. Um, I think. <laughs> I, a, my former roommate has had a Marin deck for a long time, so that's my perception is that she's a popular commander. <laughs> I believe that is the case, commander. but outside she's, of like she, she my is a household, strong commander, no matter what. Yeah, with with a very strong graveyard theme, and I mean, which is green and black are so good at that. So, but at least uh, once again, Jay chose to not include Nicol Bolas. Even though it might have been relevant again, um, but I mean, it's just yeah. kind of the. Though joke he about was a planeswalker him. in that set, hey, Nicole Bolas is in the Dominaria section of this very book, so don't. But it feels like he should have been talked about more. I, I feel like he was talked about exactly as much as he should have been talked. About. He got an extra page and a lot of good art. He was the first of all the Elder Dragons. He was the f- no, he was not the first of the Elder Dragons. I'm sorry, he was actually at the end of that. He's section. actually the youngest of the Elder Dragons. Yeah. So by period of time based on these twins with Ugin. But yeah. Yeah. So so um on to Zendikar then. Yes. 
So this is we get to talk about the Eldrazi. Yes, we do. Um, And so it's funny because I was just talking about Alara, one of the cool things about, you know, um, the world's soul, as it were, the uh, flipping pages to cover the fact that I forgot the name Progenitus Um, title is also the world's soul. Talking about Progenitus as a god, like a mythological figure that was in flavor text and things. Um, on Zendikar, we also got that literally one block later with the Eldrazi. I believe that was the right order. Again, I, I was not playing at that time. I, I came it back it was the correct return order. Return to Ravnica. Okay, you, sweet. Are, you are correct. But yeah, so, and it starts us right off. First, first thing here, we get Ulamog. Yeah, we get to talk about Ulamog. I don't know that I actually have a lot to say about Ulamog other than... To me, this is just... This is... What I like about this chapter is we get to see the Eldrazi Titans. And, and like, that's the whole thing is there's this whole... You know, they, they are these... They are beings that could exist in the Blind Eternities, which is kind of... The Blind Eternities is how Planeswalkers travel through planes. And these are beings that exist in there... Yeah, sort it's of sort of space, the sp- yeah. like the space between planes. The we'd think of as just raw space between planets is, but there's this is being the magic universe. There's also other things at work. There's mana or something. I don't know, but so beings that are of this multiverse, like just especially you know the Eldrazi, one of their big. Uh, features is that they're colorless like they were the first actual colorless cards that weren't artifacts i believe um that had no color identity otherwise attached to them because ghost flame came out in future sight was technically colorless but it had a red casting cost and well and where it was setting up was it actually was setting up the was setting up uh well potentially something like this i i they I don't know that they had that planned at the time they did that, but I think that was a good seed that they came back to. But the idea of a colorless card is definitely something they were playing with there, and that works really well for these. Especially that whole story of they're from the Blind Eternities. They're not native to a plane, because planes are where mana exists, because sort of mana comes from the land. And if you're coming from a place where there isn't land... That there's the mana apparently is colorless. Like maybe that is some of the thing. We have not really seen beings that aren't that. And, um, and Ulamog, of... Ulamog is like that's Ulamog's thing, is Ulamog is like just draining mana. Well, yeah, and, and Ulamog is sort of the, the quintessential planet eater. Um, the Eldrazi in general have done that, but Ulamog in particular, I mean, has literally been Ulamog, Ceaseless Hunger, and uh, Ulamog. I can't remember the other one. It's something about a gyre and the endless gyre is a word. Infinite gyre? G-Y-E-R. Yeah, infinite gyre, yeah. I had to look it up one time because I didn't know what that was. Ceaseless hunger is a little bit more like straightforward to what they're talking about. I, But the whole, that's the whole point. Like Ulamog just eats the planes that they're at. Um, the other two both do their own thing that also contributes to that. But Ulamog is like the most just eating of them. Well, yeah. So, cool. so Kozilek uh, is all about like distortion. Yes. So it's like bending time and space. Yes. Uh, the great Kozilek, the great distortion, and Kozilek Butcher of Truth. Which Butcher um, of Truth was kind of a cool titles. name. 
Yeah, I still, my favorite card title possibly, or at least my favorite like title for a person to have is one of Kozilek's brood from the uh, Battle for, I think it was in Battle for Zendikar, the Warden of Geometries. I love that. It's it's such an evocative name that is like, that sounds interesting and I have to think about what that means, but I can't quite, and especially for something like Kozlik, the whole point, like you said, it's distorting reality. It's like, I don't quite get what that means. And that's the point. You can't quite wrap your head around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Emrakul. Uh, and Emrakul is, uh, Emrakul, like, just tears things apart and like ends things. Well, I mean, we, I Emrakul, mean, Aeon's torn. Yes. Aeon's torn. And then the promised, and the promised end. end, but the promised end is actually not from uh, here. Uh, that's the thing. It's, it's so because of this very nature, th- this is why when we returned to Zendikar, there was actually, we moved to the two, when we moved away fully from block structure and they were playing with that a lot at the time. And, when we return, that's why we have multiple Kozileks and Ulamogs. Yes, and and the the first return it was officially like a two block set, or, or sorry, two set block was how it was supposed to be structured. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's some. Oh, Ulamog has a couple extra pages. Sorry, Emrakul gets a couple extra pages here. Yeah. Oh, you get. Oh, I'm not yeah, going to yeah, comment yeah. on what gorgeous the art is. I'm just going to. Say I don't know that the Sam Burley concept. The concept art for Ulamog oh makes like the bottom of Ulamog just straight up look like Cthulhu, and like, yeah. Well, they they are all tentacled yeah. beings. That, they, that they, Vincent yeah. Prose art, though, um, I think that was a promo that for Emrakul. Yeah, for Emrakul, I, I mm-hmm. want to say that was the. Uh, it was the GP promo. GP promo, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. but like I think there's extra stuff on the bottom here that wasn't part of that. So like this whole piece of art, I'm not sure I've ever seen, and it's <laughs> it's gorgeous, oh, folks. It is gorgeous, and it's showing picture. kind of a. So people don't know, like Zendikar <laughs> was where we got outside of the unsets was the first time that we got full art lands and that is because the lands were because basically gravity and other things do not function the same way on zendikar on zendikar because of the eldrazi yeah they were a big part of it though i i if i remember correctly and i may be wrong this might be tied to the eldrazi but i think it's a feature of the plane that the mana there is denser the normal, and that's part of why it made a good Eldrazi trap. Oh, because it it'd be interesting if there was like another book about this. Fast, it's it looks more like feast like, I guess. I don't know, it looks more appetizing. I mean, we we did also see uh, when we'll get to when Strad talk about it, maybe um, a certain character figure out how to actually call the Eldrazi to a place, and so maybe they didn't need that, ex, you know extra rich mana there but i'm pretty sure I, I remember seeing something about that 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 was part of just zendikar's history i love um, it it's, it's yeah sorry i'm now like and yeah zendikar mm-hmm. was also in a in a in a fun cool thing zendikar was the 50th expansion for magic so not i don't think that counts core sets and things so just expansion sets and that's why they did and i think that might be part of why they did the full art lands i don't know if the the causality was there but that is also why they did um what did they call that where they put the oh the the ex- special the, um, the um, special the prizes hidden or whatever treasures? It was? hidden treasures that's exactly what it was. The, the very treasure. first one like the randomly were booster packs that had 
like extra copies of cards they happen to have sitting around. Yeah, just cards sitting in drawers at Wizard's office. I mean, yeah. and this is so this is everything from the cheapest commons to actual power nine because it's just what they had laying around. Um, and so they were inserted into the first printing of Zendikar boosters. Only the very first printing, yeah. And like, an element of that too, and even in the name Hidden Treasures, is that Zendikar is sort of pitched, especially the first one. The the later sets haven't done it as much. The the the, the most recent set I think tried to get this flavor a little more, but part of the flavor was Adventure World. So it's kind of like your your D and D campaign where you're going out. You, your group of adventurers are going out into the wilderness to find a dungeon to just see what's in the dungeon. So that's why Zendikar had traps as as a subtype of yep. cards. So, yep, it was when we got cards that you could like, yeah, play for alternate casting cost if something had happened that turn. Um, the, you, we also got allies, which was kind of a first idea, like parties um, that you were like a band of yep, ex- like exactly. adventurers. And the more of them you had together, the more they kind of powered each other up. They were basically slivers with a different name, but they functioned a little bit differently. They slivers mostly give passive abilities and allies did that and other stuff as well. But so that was, again, we're talking about the plane now when we're, yeah, I was like, we're, we're supposed to be talking about the legends. We're talking about uh, the characters. So we talked about Omnath. the Eldrazi. So Omnath. Yeah. So Omnath, um, we've Locus seen of Rage. quite, quite, a, of he's a, yeah. Omnath at, at four incarnations might be the legend with the most cards. I might be wrong on that, but there's not many who are that close. There's there's a good number of twos these days. We've returned to enough planes that there's actually a lot of characters that have two cards. And three, there's a number of threes, but I'm not sure if there's any other four. Uh, Jessica? Except one's a planeswalker? Jessica... So does that if not you count? count? If you count cards that aren't Jessica, but have contained Jessica within the story... That's fair, though Omnath. I think I think that's that's fair, but also kind of different. Well, Omnath why, is still Omnath is also really cool because so one of the Omnath cards came from a core yeah. set instead of our trip to Alara. But each yep. time we've seen Omnath, Omnath has picked up another color of mana. Yes, so Omnath started mono green, then then picked up red in the return to Zendikar, which kind of fit because then it was Omnath Locus of Rage and it's like oh, raging that these Eldrazi are tearing my planet apart. Um, and then in the core set picked up Blue and I can't remember what that one was. Uh, and, Locus of the Royal? That's it. Locus of the Royal because that's actually a feature of the plane too where that was the the land would actually just shift. <laughs> like the, the geography would just shift. So um, every every version of Omnath has been a locus of something. So like yes. uh, initially we just saw it was just like green mana, pure being able to store that. It was literally uh, locus of mana, I believe. Yep, it is locus yeah. of mana. And then the, the most recent is locus of creation, picking up white. Yep. And and a, a fun like land centric commander. That's why I'm happy about. But people are really Omnath. wondering too where we're going to go from here. Are we going yeah. to get going to get the five black. color Omnath? And like it, I, I mean it is already a really cool I would guess so just because of the way that Wizards tends to go with cycles cuz they're like if you do like 3 of 5 you can kind of stop there, but as soon as you hit like as soon as you hit a certain number of them people are going to expect that. So I Well, I mean we still don't have the sword cycle completed and that's, that's only fair, been, but they've been 
They've been they, slowly adding new swords. Yeah, that one but, started at two. And so I think they could have left that alone, though people would have said, well, what about the other swords? What about the other swords? Because that was uh, on um, Mirrodin. You had Sword Mirrodin. of Light and Shadow yeah. and Sword of Iron Ice. Yeah. So then the return to Mirrodin block, they hit the other three enemy com- combos. And now through some supplemental stuff, we're up to eight of the ten. They, they've we're hit three two. of the allied. I was having discussions yep. of these last oh, yeah. night. Yeah, blue, black, uh, and uh, red, green. Yes, yep. That's I was looking left. at this. I yeah. was I was looking at those for. Uh, I, but I that's was actually not about next. legendary creatures. No, Alex. it isn't. It's not even legends so at all. One of the other things that's kind of cool that um that are there is that vampires are randomly on Zendikar. Yes, I like. I I just think this is so. Fa- well, I mean, it's not. I guess random. It, Soren was involved with. Well, and I think the vampires are associated with the Eldrazi, actually. The first of uh, the Eldritch energy sweeping out of their prison twisted the cultists into the first vampires of the plane of Zendikar. So the the on Zendikar, the vampires are actually come from the Eldrazi. Oh, cool. I straight up as well. And see, and part of the reason I knew they were different is this is this is weird weird inside baseball if you want to call it that inside magic um their wizards created supplements for dungeons and dragons for magic stuff they've they've done a couple that are big full books that are like retail books that are sold but for like three or four probably maybe more than that but a number of planes in a row um when when they went back to Zendikar, when they went back to uh, Innistrad, went back to Dominaria, they did just free, fairly small little PDFs that you can just download. I think they're still on their website now. But um, one of the big things that a lot of those add is new races. If you want to add races from some of those planes, and um, the Zendikar vampires are actually different in their stat makeup than the vampires from other oh, planes. That's, aw- that's really, really cool. And it's it's cool. I mean, in like to be honest, one of the things that I thought was really cool with Dominaria, the, the Dominaria one they did, was they have the Keldons as a different, as sort of an alternate alternate human race. So humans with different racial abilities than just the out of the book normal humans from the core books, because the Keldons live in different, like a very extreme cold environment, and so they have specific things set up to that. But anyway, what's really funny about this, we, we, we are just we're so off top. We're, we're so, we're, you know, we're going to make it. We're we're getting another episode out of this because, yes, you we know, are. we're at 42 minutes, um, basically towards the end of our length that we normally go. And we're just now finishing up on Zendikar. Now, I mean, to be fair, the book is structured such that the, the heavier planes really are up front. Our first, um, yeah. You know, like we do get some down the road, but we're we're hitting yeah. most of the. There's a the next Innistrad's plane has next a decent number, like, but the next seven are all real fast. So eight, because we we, we can't pass on before we talk about Tuck Tuck. Yes, so we we don't necessarily have to dwell too much because remember we talked about Tuck Tuck back when we talked about Zada because their stories um have have a have a strong connection they do so so and to learn about tuck tuck just go listen to our episode <laughs> just go listen to more of our show no go just tuck, listen tuck. to more talk about zada I, and us really go like, on topic that was a that was a fun episode partially for me because we talk about one of the decks that i love um is a thing we don't 
tend to do, though we, we may do more of that. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out as we go forward. We, <laughs> if, you, if you can't figure it out by now, listeners, we sort of we go through stretches of planning and then we kind of just get things done, whatever we can get done. And then at some point we say we need to plan again. And it's a really good analogy for life, Alex. You know, we actually, I think the only way that I'm going to feel comfortable with us doing something like this is to just go out and get somebody like Jay and Ellie and get them to come on the show. And that's our show for today. You can find the host on Twitter. Hotsku can be found at Hotsku. And Alex Newman can be found at Mel underscore Comicler. Send any questions, comments, thoughts, hopes, and dreams to at GoblinLorePod on Twitter or email us at GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support your friendly neighborhood gobsmith, the cast can be found at Patreon.com slash GoblinLorePod. Opening and closing music by Vindergotten, who can be found on Twitter at Vindergotten or online at Vindergotten.bandcamp.com. Logo art by Steven Raphael, who can be found on Twitter at Steve Raphael. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content, as well as magic content of all kinds. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening, and remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>